It's no secret the San Francisco Giants have obviously had a hard time luring top free agents to come to San Francisco. So with that in mind, they kind of have to overpay to get guys to come here. So of the remaining free agents, who's worth overpaying for? We'll get into it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide episodes three days a week for now. Back to five when pitchers and catchers report, and then five days a week, 10 months out of the year, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites, Beyond the Box Score, and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your First listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, So check us out there if you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're following the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And where we get started today, we're going to jump into some mailbag questions. Thank you so much to everyone who quickly submitted questions uh, on X tonight. I forgot to put out the prompt yesterday, but we already got a bunch of great questions. We're going to get to some more tomorrow, assuming the free agent market remains unbelievably slow. Slow. It's been a grind, and actually that's one of the questions that we're going to get to today is about fixing uh, MLB's free agent kind of system that has, this is one of the most boring off-seasons ever, even though we had one of the best players of all time, if not the best, signed during this off-season. Anyway, we'll get to that question later. The first one from Yoki, who says, which remaining free agent targets are you comfortable with uh, the Giants overpaying to secure their services. And like I said, you kind of, if you're the Giants, you kind of have to overpay uh, to get guys. I mean, when, when we look at last year, Carlos, Carlos Correa, they did, you know, he was obligated to sign with the Giants. If only he passed his physical, he, it's not like it was a pending deal on his side. He, he signed on the dotted line and said, okay, I'm committed for $350 million. And from what we understand, the next highest bidder was the Twins at around 290 something million. So the Giants outbid them by 60-ish million dollars, 55 whatever million dollars. And that's nothing to, to, to scoff at. And so they, they, they are willing to, to overpay for the, to get the guy. Um, it just so happens this off season, you know, and with judge, it's hard to outbid um, teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers, and they're just willing to go wherever it takes to get their guy as well. And so it's just tough. But from the remaining free agent class, there just simply aren't that many guys that I would be willing to overpay for. In fact, there just simply aren't that many. There's like, there's a handful of really quality 
free agents, all of whom likely to command deals north of $100 million. Um, and those players are Blake Snell, uh, Jordan Montgomery, Shota uh, Imanaga, Matt Chapman, and Cody Bellinger. Those are the guys. Um, and for me, I'm not willing to, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable with the Giants overpaying for every one of those guys. There's only one, two, maybe three who I'm going to say. And the number one guy for me that I just keep coming back to is Blake Snell because of the upside. I think there's just tremendous upside in Blake Snell. He has, I mean, if you look at like starting with the second half of 2022 through the end of 2023, like there's pretty much been no one who's been as dominant as Snell has been. And so I, I like that kind of upside versus kind of the boring, um, consistency or whatever of a Jordan Montgomery type. Um, and so Blake Snell is one of those guys for me. And by overpay, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going 200 million. I've said this before. I think 200 million is too much of an overpay, but would I go like, would I be that team that gives him, you know, 180 or something? Maybe I would, because if I'm the Giants, I just feel like I've got to do something like this to get high end talent into my uh, organization. And if it was 180, I would imagine that would be over six years, um, maybe seven, but I wouldn't, I man, he's going to be 31 in year one. So six years, what six years, 180, that's what 30 million a year. Oof, I wouldn't want to go that high either. Maybe like one, one, it depends on what you consider an overpay. I mean, MLB trade rumors, I think it was them predicted 200 million for Snell. Um, and I consider that an overpay. They also predicted like, 260 something million for Cody Bellinger, which was just way off from where other publications predicted Bellinger would land in terms of his contract. And Bellinger is that kind of iffy guy for me in terms of would I be the team that overpays for Bellinger? And I might, I might, I kind of fall victim into maybe yes, because. But again, the same deal. Like if you, MLB trade rumors was kind of an outlier on Snell's prediction and Bellinger's. I'm not going to 12 years, 260 something million for Cody Bellinger. I just can't do it based on the risk. There's just so much risk given how bad he was for two straight seasons with the Dodgers. And then like, uh, I'd have to pull up his numbers. It, Definitely two straight horrible seasons with LA and then a rebound in Chicago, but the underlying metrics kind of don't back it up. Nonetheless, you're talking about a young free agent relative to others, and he's 28, and a guy who was, you know, the MVP of the National League at age 23 in a season in which he had 47 home runs. So there's just tremendous upside. And that's what I'm saying. I think the Giants. It's worth gambling on upside for me. I don't want like boring safe. I want upside. And so it depends on what you mean by overpay. Um, I think anything kind of even close to 200 million would would qualify as an overpay based on the risk. Uh, but I might be willing to go near that level. And it's a huge risk, but... 
Ooh, it doesn't make me comfortable, but I also think the Giants need to be aggressive and bring in top-end talent. So the last guy for me, and probably more so than Bellinger, is Shota Imanaga. And he's uh, coming out of Japan. He's 30 years old. But if you just look at the projections and, and the consensus around the industry has been that now he's probably or almost certainly going to get a deal north of $100 million dollars. I just, again, you're kind of, uh, it's a gamble because you don't quite know what you're going to get. But at the same time, some of the projections I've seen, the command that he has, and then the strikeout ability that he kind of sneakily has, even though he's known as more of kind of a finesse, um, you know, left-handed pitcher. Uh, and, And I think you're probably coming in at a price lower than Jordan Montgomery. And I think I might prefer him over Jordan Montgomery. Um based on not much because I haven't watched him pitch a ton, whereas I've seen a lot more of Montgomery. Montgomery is older. Montgomery, uh, I want to say, has thrown probably more career innings. They don't pitch as often in Japan. It's like every sixth day instead of every fifth. Uh, so, But I don't know that for sure about who's pitched more innings. But those are my guys, Snell, uh, Imanaga, and maybe Bellinger, even though it makes me uncomfortable. So notably, I'm not including Matt Chapman here, and I'm not including uh, Jordan Montgomery either. So those those two are the guys I'm not willing to overpay for, but the other big three of the remaining guys, all, all of these guys I mentioned, uh, almost certain to get deals north of $100 million unless their market kind of collapses and they take a short-term deal. So anyway, we'll move on to another question about free agency in general and is there a way to fix uh, this broken system that has us all just waiting out this process of free agency into the new calendar year when the season for the Giants, they haven't played a game in many months and we're just kind of waiting and waiting every single day and so can this be fixed we'll get into it in just a minute and before we do today's episode is brought to you by our very very good friends over at FanDuel the NFL regular season is wrapping up but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So, I mean, just check out the 49ers. Like, it doesn't matter if you win or you lose, but hey, you obviously you want to win um, that $5 bet or or more. Um, and the 49ers favored at minus 210 in the money line over the Rams, even though the Niners won't be playing everybody because they're the number one seed. Um, And the, uh, what is it called? The spread is at minus four for the 49ers. So you place that $5 bet at fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. A layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, as promised, we're going to get to more questions and answers. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we're going to be getting to more mailbag questions. I am assuming that nothing is going to happen. Not just It's not just the Giants. Like, in case you're a casual fan, that's fine. Uh, that's, you know, we're here for you. Um, that's what, that's kind of why we're here. 
casual and hardcore alike, we kind of fill you in on what's happening with the Giants. But this next question will very much get into what's happening in baseball in general, which is that the whole sport is just like moving at a snail's pace this offseason. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, the next questions, there's two of them that are similar. Classical T says, do you think MLB should put rules in place to encourage more free agent activity within certain time frames to increase offseason excitement similar to what the NBA has? And Daniel says, thoughts on what could make the MLB offseason more exciting? I'd favor a deadline for free agents. Yamamoto and Lee had deadlines and that didn't impact their ability to maximize their value. I'm just sick of waiting on Scott Boris clients every offseason. So you you both echo my sentiments exactly and I've I've thought about this a lot and a hundred percent like the league needs to do something about this and it's it's easier said than done because you have to get the players to agree to it and part of what makes it work in other sports is the fact that there's a salary cap um and so i i'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the nba or the nfl or anything like that but what's funny is we're gonna in a minute a little bit later talk about this recent farhan zaidi interview with tim kawakami Uh, on a podcast for The Athletic. And honestly, like there were some apparent takeaways about, you know, break even comments or whatever. But to me, the biggest takeaway from that podcast, it, it wasn't like groundbreaking stuff, but they talked about how slow the off season is moving. And Farhan Zaidi, he mentioned the solution like i've tried to think of a solution i just couldn't think of one where i'm like okay a deadline for free agents to sign but it's like what happens if they don't sign you're really gonna like lock these players out from playing the first of all the players would never agree to such a thing but also that just doesn't seem right at all like it doesn't seem fair or right or whatever and also by the way you're absolutely right that the deadlines for uh, Yamamoto and Lee, and now coming up, Imanaga, whose deadline to sign is a week from today, Thursday, next Thursday, the 11th. Uh, yeah, it hasn't hurt their ability to maximize value. It's not like having a deadline means teams cheap out on you. And so, anyway, back to the podcast with Zaidi and Kawakami, Zaidi had the solution. And the solution he proposed was a deadline for multi-year deals. A deadline for multi-year deals. And so, yeah, if you don't, if you kind of get squeezed out and don't get that multi-year deal by the deadline, you're forced to sign a one-year deal. But a one-year deal is not all bad for players either because... You know, they often get a higher, you know, you're going to get more if you're a good player and you happen to just like not sign by the deadline for whatever reason, you're going to get paid a lot on a one year deal if you're a good player, like a lot more 
quote unquote per year. Like, I don't know if, if Aaron judge last year, whatever last off season was like, I'll take a one year deal. He would have received like $80 million or more, you know, like a one year deal versus a nine year deal. You're just going to get more in the one year deal on a per year basis. And so anyway, I, I just think that that solution is the best I've heard. And it's not surprising, you know, Zaidi has connections, obviously, in the industry. I'm sure he's talked with other executives, talked with agents. And he said he has talked with agents about this. And because Kawakami was kind of like, yeah, 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 that's a fine idea, but I'm sure the players would never go for it. But Zaidi kind of interrupted a Kawakami and was like, well, actually, you know, I've talked to agents about this and I've not really received any pushback. Like everybody agrees. Agents agree. Teams agree. I'm sure players agree. Nobody likes this. And especially, most importantly, the fans don't like this. It's just not good for the sport. It is literally, it is just not good for anybody that this is kind of now typically how the MLB offseason goes. It The last couple years, it was more of a frenzy, like we, you know, like is fun, you know, and like we've seen in the past. But, you know, like seven years ago or so, we started to just see this trend where things moved at a snail's pace. And like famously, like the Bryce Harper and Manny Machado free agencies dragged on way longer than they should have given how good and young those players were. And then ultimately how reasonable the contracts they got were. So yes. And anxiety said like something like maybe a three or four week period in which, um, in which players are able to sign multi-year deals. And if that deadline passes, then you have to accept a one-year deal. So it doesn't lock people out. And anyway, I just think that's a really good idea. And I hope, you know, unfortunately we have to wait for like the next collective bargaining agreement to even begin to think about this being a possibility. And if they actually got it in there, that would be amazing. But I mean, really that should be a priority for the league because it is bad for fans. It is absolutely bad for fans. As I mentioned, like the perception of, you know, for example, Giants fans is like the team's not doing anything and it gets frustrating. But the reality is it's more of like a market force versus like the Giants being inactive. And, you know, because there's no incentive for players to jump at a deal. You know, they want to wait and they want to, uh, you know, from both sides, from the team side and from the player side. And it just leads to what you're seeing here. Just a a game of chicken where every, each side is just kind of sitting there waiting and it's just boring and horrible for the sport. So there you have it. That's that's my proposal. Start it like, I don't know, a week after the World Series, a three-week period for multi-year deals make it a frenzy make it a big thing you got to do it they eventually this is going to happen like in in our you know lifetimes this has got to happen because the way it is now is just awful and it's awful for everyone nobody is benefiting from this so uh i would very much like to see that okay next question comes from 
Ariana, who says, what pitcher is projected to start the second game of the year as of today? So I thought this was a really interesting question, and it points to the fact that the Giants have Logan Webb. They do have Alex Cobb, but he is injured and not going to be available to start the second game. If if Cobb was healthy, it would be an obvious answer in that it would be Cobb, but he's not going to be ready to start opening day, barring some kind of medical miracle. Um, and so as of today, I'd probably, I'd probably just throw Kyle Harrison in there. When you're looking at the other options being... Ross Stripling and Anthony DiSclafani, uh, Keaton Wynn, Tristan Beck. Like, clearly, this is a team that needs to make more additions to their starting rotation. And so, when you say as of today, it it gets a little weird. And that's it, you know, you throw, I say Kyle Harrison, like almost as an obvious choice, but you don't want that. I, that's if, if, Kyle Harrison is your number two starter going into the season. Something has gone wrong because not to say he can't be really good, but more so to say you don't want to put unproven rookies in that kind of position where they're the being relied on to be your second best starter right out of the gates. So as of today, it's Kyle Harrison, but that just underscores the need for the Giants to add starting pitching. I think high end starting pitching a la Snell, Imanaga may fit that category, and then maybe even another starter as well, I think, um, who's more mid-tier. I'm not saying like low-tier, but like mid-tier. Marcus Stroman uh, comes to mind, that kind of tier. Uh, but and anyway, also I wanted to mention one more guy. It would never happen, but that I might overpay a little bit for. And again, it's about upside. It's Clayton Kershaw, who's a free agent again, as he always is. Like he keeps signing these one year deals. But I would, you know, he's 30, he's going to be 36 in March. But um, if somehow you could get Clayton Kershaw on your team and you also go out and sign Blake Snell, imagine if you had Webb, Snell, and Kershaw as your like top three. And I know I, th- I don't think Kershaw is going to be ready to start uh, the season, but he's still really good. I mean, this guy had a 2-4-6 ERA last year, 2-2-8 two, two, the year before that, 3-5-5 five, five the year before that, but then 2-1-6-3-0-3. He's just like one of the best pitchers. He's the best pitcher probably of, of the last 20 years. And he's out there and a free agent. I just think he would never come to the Giants. But if he somehow were willing to do so, he's one guy I would be willing to overpay a little bit for as well, especially because it'd probably be like a one or a two-year deal. Anyway, more questions and answers. The break-even comment. The famous... It's funny. It's like people... Greg Johnson has said this so many times and somehow it like just has caught on or it's just people are tired of hearing about it or something. But we're going to get into Farhan Zaidi's reaction in this podcast when asked about Greg Johnson's comment that the goal is to break even. So what do I have to think about it basically is what we're going to get into in just a minute. And before we do, All right, as promised, we're going to get into this comment that I wish would go away, not because I'm shying away from it, but because I'm sick of talking about it. And I also think it's not nearly the story that it's made out to be this break even comment 
that Greg Johnson, like I said, has made like at least three times, like quoted in the newspaper, quoted in the athletic. It's nothing new. And he said it at the Jung Hoo Lee, or was it the Bob Melvin, uh, introductory? It was the Bob Melvin introductory press conference. And, you know, he was asked about payroll and he was asked about, um, the luxury tax and would they exceed the luxury tax? And by the way, his answer was he doesn't see them being a team that would exceed it repeatedly, but under the right circumstances for the right player, that they certainly would do it like for a year and then try to dip back under it. And they're nowhere near that first luxury tax threshold just yet, by the way. So it's not like, okay, so they have no money to spend. That's not the situation at all. Uh, where they are right now, roughly, is about 192.5 million for for their luxury tax payroll, and the first threshold is 237 million. So they're, you know, 37 plus another uh, seven and a half, so 100 or 44 plus million dollars away from that first luxury tax threshold, roughly, and. So anyway, the question I I should say is from Zach, who says been lots of weird quotes, quote, break even, quote, employee benefits, end quote, coming from the front office this offseason. What does that say about the Giants as an organization and the direction they are heading? To me, it doesn't say much at all. It doesn't say much at all. And if you listen, like if you're if you're getting this from the podcast with Tim Kawakami um, of The Athletic, the TK show with Farhan Zaidi came out like yesterday or the day before. Uh, even Kawakami said he had no problem with the comments. He understood the comments that Greg Johnson made. I feel 100% the same way as Tim Kawakami. The Giants' ownership, you know, and I have so many thoughts i'm going to try to be focused with them it is a business after all right like i know the goal from a from the front office's perspective should be you know the goal the goal of the organization i don't like that he that he says this because it doesn't sound good it makes it sound like the goal is to break even but he's referring in my opinion to the like he's being asked about the finances and he says the goal in relation to your question about our financial output is to break even ish is kind of what he said. I forget exactly. He, he added like an ish break kind of break even, or like at least be close to breaking even. And, you know, a lot of teams do something different where they, their goal and they don't say it, but they do it is to profit. And by the way, if you've ever, if you're reading these like Forbes articles that come out every year that claim to know, um, a team's profits, that is not public information and that it is not reliable. And so we have no idea what I am. I firmly believe that they are actually breaking even or thereabout. Or sometimes losing money. I know certainly in like 2020 with no fans in the stands, in 2021 with limits on fans in the stands, that that they lost quite a bit of money. And 
Zaidi mentioned that as, and you know, I hadn't heard this, but as a, he essentially used it to explain the lack of activity in the off season following 2021. And, Let's not forget, Farhan Zaidi is the employee of Greg Johnson. And so he's he's got to defend his boss. He can't throw his boss under the bus in response to these comments. But it was interesting that Zaidi said we were coming off two really tough financial years in 2020 with COVID and no fans and 2021 with re- restrictions on uh, fans being in the stands, like remember, there were there were limits on how many people could come in, and so when you're used to a certain attendance, and all of a sudden it's way way lower, that affects how much money is coming in, and therefore that affects if your goal is to break even financially, it affects how much money you have to spend because you're not taking in as much money, and so to me this is like a totally not non. It's just a non-story and I do not understand. And like employee benefits, he's mentioning those in relation to like the luxury tax. And also he mentioned like the facilities and that basically Greg Johnson views the operations of the Giants, not just in terms of player payroll, but like they spent like 50 plus million dollars building this state-of-the-art facility in Arizona for player development, Papago Park. And, um, you know, they they treat their employees well. And so a lot of that, I don't know that those are weird comments. I think those are uh, honest comments, kind of refreshingly honest comments about what, um, you know, how the organization views its finances and why, Greg Johnson is saying what he's saying. And it's refreshingly honest because most owners don't say a word or just like don't even appear in public at all and comment at all on their finances. And so I don't know. I just like, what was the question even? What does that mean about the Giants as an organization and the direction they're heading? It is a fact. I believe Otani's camp confirmed this that the offer that Otani got from the Dodgers, that he accepted from the Dodgers, that he received a comparable offer from the Giants, $700 million over 10 years. It is a fact that the Giants offered Aaron Judge $340 million over nine years. It is a fact that the Giants offered Carlos Correa $350 million over 13 years. And... We also know they were heavily in on Yamamoto, and I wouldn't be surprised if they also offered him a comparable comparable, comparable deal. And Yamamoto himself said if it wasn't for the Dodgers, he would probably have ended up a giant. And so that tells you right there, they certainly weren't lowballing him by like $100 million. You know, they were right there, I'm sure, financially. He said this. He said if it wasn't for the Dodgers, which he, he grew up a fan of the Dodgers, Otani's on the Dodgers, Dodgers are exceptionally good. So, you know, it's not shocking that he chose the Dodgers given the two choices. So this idea that they're that they're financially somehow like operating like a you know the Oakland A's or something is just nonsense. They're out here offering top dollar to top players. They just haven't been able to get them. And Correa, they got, and then there was just a freak thing. And this offseason's not over. And I still think they end up 
You know, and uh, it's like we forget. I know he's not Shohei Otani, but they did sign a guy for $113 million plus a $19 million posting fee this offseason. So it doesn't mean anything. I'm tired. It A business owner saying their goal is to break even is kind of refreshing. If their goal was to profit as much as possible, that would be a huge problem. Look at like the Oakland A's or something. You know, they don't spend at all on their team and they just try to profit. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just rare where you're going to find an ownership group whose financial goal is, or like goal, you know, is just to, we don't care if we lose a ton of money. It's all about putting the best team together. Obviously, that's what you want as a fan. But you just don't find that. I think Steve Cohen is an exception. But you look at some other teams, Yankees, Dodgers, like they take in a lot more money. So in terms of why do they spend more than the Giants, they make more and then they spend more. It's like, duh, you know, in a way. The Look at the Dodgers TV deal. It's enormous compared to the Giants. The Yankees have so many fans. They're just an enormous brand compared to the Giants. And Anyway, it is not something to get worked up about, and yet people do. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Once again, my name is Ben Caspic. Check me out on X at Ben Caspic, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot, so thanks in advance. Thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. More questions and answers going to be juicy. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.